Relativity has been nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'd like to win this. And maybe you'd like for us to win it too and are wondering what you can do to help. Well, here's how it works. If you're listening to this in the month of July in the year 2019, then there's still time. Here's what you do. You go to www.podcastawards.com. Isn't that a great address? And you click on the big button that says nominations now open. Click here to nominate. Now, wait, you may be saying, didn't you just say the show has been nominated? Yes, it has. And this is where it gets a little complicated because of the language they use on the website. The show is first nominated for participation and then you, the listeners, nominate it for final voting. And the shows that receive the most nominations from listeners, that's you, get passed on to final voting. And the final voting is done by industry professionals and other hotshots and bigwigs. But only if we get enough nominations from you, the listeners, they'll only choose 10 from all the shows that have been nominated. And we want to be one of those 10. Okay? So, www.podcastingawards.com. Click on the big button and then you register. You put your name in and you have to make up a password, blah, blah. And then you'll be taken to a page called Make Your Nominations. And you'll see there are lots of categories. And it's likely some of your other favorite podcasts will be there. But whatever you do when you're in there, be sure that you scroll down to the bottom and find the category called Storytelling and Drama. And in there, you'll see good old relativity. Click on that, please. And then make sure before you leave the page to click on the button at the bottom that says Save Nominations. And thank you in advance for going to this trouble. We want this award, folks, and one reason why we want it is so that you, faithful listener, who say, I listen to Relativity, can say, I listen to People's Choice Award-winning Relativity. Right? Right. Thanks again. And now on with the show. Hey, this is Lee Shackelford again, creator of Relativity, and if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you know that while we're in pre-production for this next uh, batch of episodes, I've been interviewing fellow podcasters and um, especially people who are somehow connected to uh, connected. That's a sweet word. Uh, to other audio fiction. And this time uh, we have some, uh, we have some members of the cast. So, uh, and we can also talk about how we all know each other, how we all knew each other in the first place. So it's my tremendous pleasure this time to be talking to Clarence Brown, who many of you know as Marcus Dupree on the show and Kyle Jones, who you've heard from the very beginning, uh, not always as voices you recognize, but he's turned out to be uh, Raymond Miblin as the show has gone on. So, and you're going to be hearing more from both of them in this next batch. Anyway, hi guys, and how you doing? Hey, hey, uh, glad to be on, man. I am doing great and uh, ready to talk to you about relativity. Yeah, yeah I'm going to uh, say the same thing Clarence said. Glad to be here and glad to be talking relativity. Kyle, I'm wondering if you have got the the, the quickest wrap up because I've heard you tell the story before. How, where does this story all begin for the three of us? Uh, you and Clarence have known each other uh, from the cradle, right? No, you <laughs> quite some time, <laughs> quite some time. But <laughs> yeah, Clarence and I met through work about what Clarence about 2004, er, probably early aughts. 
I and just suddenly had this picture of the two of you like in kindergarten or something. <laughs> You're so cute. Yeah. Okay. He's just trying to say that we're young, Clarence. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> yeah. We, we, we are stair steps, the three of us of, uh, of 10 years, uh, just about. So anyway. But, but Clarence and I knew each other, you know, through work and I introduced Clarence to Doctor Who. And then you and I met in probably officially meeting when it was, I think, 2013, 2014, we became part of Doctor Who Podshock on the very same exact episode. Well, that's a puzzle. <laughs> I'm puzzled myself. So yeah, we always say we're we're grateful to Louis Trapani, the uh, uh, the brains behind Doctor Who Podshock, which I guess has sort of gone the way of all flesh. I think he he's had so many other things going on that he he sort of moved on from that, and uh, now the preeminent Doctor Who podcast is of course discussing Who. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not, but we'll we'll say it. Anyway. Well, we, well we, we hope you know we'll say it. <laughs> we hope. There are lots and lots of Doctor Who podcasts out there, but my personal favorite is the one co-hosted by the three of us. Hello, this is Peter Davison, and you're listening to Discussing Who. Hello, Doctor Who fans, and welcome to Discussing Who number 158. I am Kyle Jones, and joining me always... And, on- you know, I have to give myself credit here because it's yeah. because of me that the two of you know each other. Exactly. exactly. So I have to pat yes. myself on the back here. Yes. Because, well done. Because I moved back in 2014, and Clarence and I were no longer in the same city, and I missed talking to my friend, and I wanted to do a podcast. And since I had introduced him to Doctor Who, I thought that would be cool, but I needed another person, and who else did I think of other than you? It's so that's sweet. how all three of us started out podcasting together. Yeah. People enjoy the show, and uh, they enjoy hearing us talk about uh, old who and new who and all of that stuff. So, And it has introduced us to lots of other people, uh, lots of other uh, fans of that franchise, and, uh, and the circle just keeps growing. It's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, Indeed it is. Yeah, so that's a wonderful thing. But yeah, during that process of our doing Discussing Who, I started writing. I had the... Uh, the idea for relativity and started writing that. And as I've said on other episodes of this um, series here of uh, relativity connections, that, that I really had the idea from the beginning that, that relativity was just going to be this long phone conversation between Chris and Sophia. It was just going to be the two of them. And pretty soon that started to wear thin. I felt like I, I started to realize that we better get some other people's voices in there. Uh, and so we started hearing other people kind of in the background at mission control. And the very first time I did that, Kyle, you were one of them. Clarence, were you in that group too? Or? I, I think I was in the first little group you had there. Yeah. Background noise. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there were not people who had character who na- had names. And Stephanie Lindsay, who, who now plays uh, Sophia's mother, she reminded me that she was in that group too. Uh, <laughs> so I, I didn't remember that. And I, I took the samples of each of your voices and I did, you know, kind of modulating tricks with them and, you know, slowed them down, sped them up so that, that, that I think the three of you ended up sounding like nine people. <laughs> um, and I was always really happy with that, which may be why I didn't remember Stephanie was in there because the voice of hers that's most prominent is so altered that it doesn't sound like her anymore. Yes. That's one of the wonderful things you can do with, with the audio. 
as time went by, I realized uh, that we can really start to solidify some of these characters. And uh, if you if you listen to the most recent episode of Connections, um, Katie Radel had said that uh, Marcus has become her favorite character on the yes, show. Yes, I heard so that. I thought I was hoping you heard that. I was just working on um, script just a little while ago, just before we uh, started this recording, and I was writing something for Marcus in an upcoming episode that was making me laugh. I was saying, oh, he's going to love this. This is going to be so much fun. So Yeah, I, I feel especially fortunate to be able to to play Marcus on your show. Um, me not really, ha- really having, you know, voice acting background, but you bringing me in and showing me the ropes <laughs> and leading me along the way. Um, it's just been a lot of fun and a huge learning experience. And I, I find that you mentioned in some of these other connection episodes of, of how you can, you know, sometimes Elena says things exactly like you want it to be <laughs> without mm-hmm. any coaching at all. And I, I found myself tr- trying to envision how you would want something to, to be said. And I think, you know, for me personally, it's hard for me to to jump in and try to, um, I guess, portray the character in a way that I know you would like. But you've given me the freedom to like, you know, just go and do with the character what you will and just be natural with it and have fun with it. And I've really appreciated that in your coaching and everything else along the way. Well, that's that's great. I, it has taken me a long time as a as a writer and as a director to learn to trust actors, and and that's uh that's not something to be proud of. That's something to be to be ashamed of. That it has taken me so long to say, you know what? They probably know what they're doing. Why don't mm-hmm. you step back and just see what happens? Uh, I was just thinking recently of uh, 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 I think I listened to it again. Yeah, there was an episode. Um, Wow, it may be episode forty, but you you may remember, uh, Clarence, that when we when when you got the script, the episode began a different way. Yeah, that's true. And I was in the process of mixing it when I said that's too abrupt. We're getting into the story without knowing exactly what Marcus and Sophia are talking about. And I sent you some lines of dialogue that would bridge it. And I just trusted you to figure out how to say that <laughs> so that it would make sense of what happened at the end of 39, but would tail seamlessly into episode 40. And by golly, you did it. And so then all I had to do was just cut it in. And it, and, and, and you and I know it's there. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. don't think anybody else would hear that and go, wow, that sounds like two different sessions. That sounds like two, you know, mm. it worked. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's certainly fascinating trying to find that voice. I remember we talked on a, I guess it was a discussing who episode. We were talking about you doing some Star Trek writing for Next Generation mm. and how you are so adept at finding the voices of the characters. And I just find that fascinating. It's, it's you as a writer being able to, you know, pour this sense of a character into the script and it just like comes out beautifully. <laughs> That's how the character is supposed to sound, you know. Right. In the, yeah. In the, in the written words I, on the page. I I don't know if that is a, a skill or a talent. And I always define those things as you know that a skill is something that you can be taught, but a talent isn't. You know, you you got to be got to be born with it. But I, I teach creative writing for a living, and I always feel like I I don't know how to teach my students how to find a character's voice and create it, and I I wonder. 
even after all these years of doing it, is that because it's a talent and either you got it or you ain't? And so I don't know how to, to, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but no, thank you for bringing that up because it's, it's one of those things that I, when I'm feeling down, I remind myself that I, I had this conversation with, uh, with Ronald D. Moore in the offices of Star Trek, the next generation. And, you know, this is before Battlestar Galactica, before anybody knew who the hell he was, but you know, he was writing for Star Trek. He was in the process of telling me why we're not going to use your script, you know, so this should be a very sad conversation. But he said, you really have a knack for catching on the way these these characters talk. I mean, I see it on the page and I and I can hear their voices. And I just thought, wow, Ron Moore told me that I'm, I've nailed these character voices. And, you know, they still turned down the episode, but, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> okay. was a great thing. But, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what, where that comes from. But, but, you know, just listening to you guys talking right now, one of the things that I am envious of people who do not know the two of you mm. is the, the way that it's been almost a struggle, but a good struggle mm. for me to separate Lee and Clarence and learn Chris and Marcus. Yeah. Because I spend so much time listening to you guys when we're not even talking live, like we're talking now, as I'm going through editing our episodes. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I hear you guys for probably hours mm -hmm. after, you know, we finish talking and a compliment to both of you, because over time I've been able to give Marcus a distinct voice. I've been able to give Chris a distinct voice that is completely separate from the two of you. So kudos to both of you. Well, and, and, and to you too, because I think that's something that you have to do as a listener who knows us in real life. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that uh, Elena, who of course is our Sophia, she says that her mother, when she listens to it, she hears Sophia. She's never heard mm. Elena. Hmm. Um, now, now Sophia is very different from Elena. Uh, with Elena, it's life is just always a party. And uh, as you know, Sophia is not like that. <laughs> so maybe that's why her mother could, could sort that out. But, um, you know, early on, my wife really could not listen to the show because, uh, Chris is so, um, often so bitter and complaining and just kind of snipey and sarcastic and, uh, a lot of people uh, think that's funny, but of course she heard that and she just said, I don't like him. And he sounds like you, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it's, and she wasn't saying, because that's the way you are. I'm just saying, I'm hearing all these, these sort of mean spirited things in your voice. It's, it's, that's, it's unpleasant. I don't, you know, uh, and I understand that. Have you, do you talk to, to many people, uh, uh, Clarence who, who hear, hear the show? Um, um, not, I've been trying to get my friends to listen and I think that's one of the, it's, it's not really about your show. It's about just podcasts in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to get my mom to listen to a podcast, oh. it's been a struggle. So, yeah. um, yeah, it, I think, you know, we as far as pot, yeah. And it's, it's still an education game cause you can't just tell them, Oh, go here. You mm. kind of have to get their phone and, you know, go to the website, download it or go to Apple podcast. So I think, you know, podcast education is we get, you know, further along in the game, although we're, you know, many years in it now. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's the potential to grow is just, you know, it's, uh, it's limitless. And 
we just need to educate more people on, you know, where do you go and what do you do if you want to listen? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's not that simple, but then again, it's not that hard, you know? <laughs> it is. It's a funny place, isn't it? And I, I guess so many people who will be listening to this right now are, are fellow podcasters of ours. Um, the, and so we, I, I know that we're all struggling with this right now. If you have older people asking you, what channel is it on? <laughs> and, and questions like that. And how, how do you even begin to answer that? I, yeah. But does it say something about us as in a, in a, in our own way, all three of us create something in our own way. And is it also something about being a creator that you're not a marketer to some degree, that it is <laughs> a little awkward to Boy, try to go out and talk about yourself? Does that ever seem to be true? It really, um, I've just uh, in my script, my screenwriting class, we've just been talking about this. That I've been trying to to um, encourage them to to pitch, to to come up with an idea for a movie, and then to boil it down to just a few sentences that will somehow cover all of the plot, and to be able to look somebody in the eye and sell them emotionally on the idea of your movie in just these few words, and. My students, of course, come to this with the same kind of frozen horror that I did the first time somebody told me I was going to have to do that because so many of us, the reason why we became interested in creative writing in the first place was so that we didn't have to be salesmen, that we didn't have to get out there and, you know, present ourselves as being, you know, the smiling, <laughs> happy person who's going to make you think about something you've never thought about before. We didn't, we did. So it's like, oh no, now I've got to be a salesman, even though I, <laughs> even though I worked into this career where I'd never have to do that. I am still learning. This show is relativity is going to have run its course. And when I, after we air the last episode, I'm going to say, Oh, that's how you do it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I better be planning the next thing because that's what I was fixing to say. We're, we're, we're you know, I love relativity, but when that last episode airs, we're going on to the next uh, relativity two or yeah. relativity <laughs> not something two or whatever right. is next. That's what we're doing next. Well, you know, I was the uh, I was the head writer for for uh, an audio drama series that aired on the radio on radio drama, and that ended up being forty episodes in all. And I swear to you, by the time you can listen to the show, and by the and you you can hear it happen in the late thirties, like episodes thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine, and forty. You can tell we really started to get it together. We really started to figure out how to do it. And they're so good, those last few episodes. And then the series ended. And you just, uh, to me, I just listened going, damn it. <laughs> Why didn't I know all that stuff when we began? Well, of course you don't know all those things when you start. You know, it's, it's how you learn them. But, you know, we, we've talked about how how, how ragged uh, discussing who early episodes sound, and it's a it's really just a chat show. It's just the three of us talking like this. But there's still so many things of polish that we've done since then, just over the years of just getting more comfortable with that format. I think. Eh? Well, well, not just the format. It's getting comfortable with ourselves because that's, that's you know we true. can read off of each other now because I can almost when I'm going through the episode. I can just almost see the two of you on what you're thinking of when you're about to talk and when you're not, because there's a flow that's created. And I think that's with anything, whether it be a cast drama or whether it be a chat show like what we're doing, you have to have camaraderie and you have to have a, no pun intended, you have to have a connection. Mm -hmm. 
I believe so. Yeah. I think, you know, probably all of us have been on something where you knew from the moment you got on there, there was not a connection with the other people or the other host. And it just doesn't work. Nope. And luckily we all, you know, the three of us worked. And it, it's, it's been fun being able to, to do uh, sort of an interview show as part of this series, this fiction series, this scripted fiction series. Uh, so, uh, I, I, but I imagine that people are going to, there's certainly a point at which they're going to say, get back to the story. And it is going to happen, but it is taking longer to prepare than I thought it would. And I know I said that, you know, before the last season, but um, I keep being surprised. Uh, and having a flood come through my house has only been one of the reasons why this is mm -hmm. taking longer. And I, I want to tell everybody why, exactly why it's taking longer to script these episodes, but it's related to a kind of a surprise. And so I, I, I want to, mm -hmm. I, I st I'm still sitting on it, but I, but I, I hope I can still sort of a halfway tease it like that by saying there's a reason why it's taking longer to write these episodes. And I think people are going to like it. I think they're going to be happy about the reason why it's taking so much longer. How's that for a mystery? Ooh, I like a mystery. So that's that. But at some point, I do want to um, announce and make a big deal, make a big splash of announcing what this big secret is about all of that stuff. And and that reminded me that I hadn't done my spoiler warning. So we haven't really talked about plot points of the show, have we? No, we haven't. So I don't, I don't think we, we're, we're in any danger here. So even as late as this in the conversation, I'm going to do my spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 And there it is. Spoilers. And I will repeat, Spoilers. as I have in the last few episodes, that I'm still offering a prize. I think like an autograph, a script or something like that, and send it to the first the first person who can identify that, who could tell me where I got that man's voice, the man who sang spoilers. spoilers. Got you. Um, a lot of people had guessed River Song or The Doctor. And, um, you know, uh, that makes so much sense because... Uh, River Song famously says spoilers a lot, but that uh, that female voice you can hear in, in there is, in fact, one of my synthesized voices like Nadia. So it's that's not her. It's not Alex Kingston. But who's that guy anyway? And if you got an idea, send it to me at contact at relativitypodcast.com. I've, I've had a lot of people guessing and mm -hmm. um, but nobody's got it yet. So it's obscure. I, I, I'm not I'm not lying to you. It's going to take some some deep knowledge. But anyway, so Lee, I have a question for you. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, so your cast, um, as far as the voices they portray on the mm -hmm. show, seem to be very diverse. Was that consciously done or was it something you just kind of fell into? Um, how, what do you mean diverse? Uh, as far as dialect, um, you have, um, of course you have, uh, Sophia's mother, um, you have, um, Scotty's character, I'm bronicking right now. Yes. <laughs> Prithvi. 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 Yes. I mean, um, you, you have a pretty yeah. good, diverse well, group of voices. Yeah. Um, I'm sensitive to the fact that most of the voice actors I know are kind of, um, uh, straight male Anglos like myself. And I, I kind of wish, um, I wish I had, I wish I had more diverse friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had this kind of, uh, embarrassing thing and, and this is, this is actually a, an issue and I'm not sure I know how I feel about it. Scotty is 
is a white boy from Alabama like me, and he's playing this British Indian guy. Very well, I might add. He, he yes. is, and, and he is basing that voice. It is a dead-on impression of a friend of his who is Indian, but, you know, is not somebody we could get to to come and do, uh, you know, to be a voice on a, a podcast. So he's doing his impression of somebody else. Now, is that – so is that whitewashing? Is it mm. – See, if you had not have said that, I, I would imagine that there would be plenty of people who would not know. And is it such when you are doing voice? I don't know, I, but I do but think that's it? an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, well, I was talking about uh, Body Love, about the, the radio drama that I did a, a while back. And um, the a lot of times, some of my first voice acting that ever got out there was me being fill-in characters on the show. And so very often, you know, one of our characters, you know, and the cast is almost entirely African-American. Uh, and all the characters were. So one of them would go into a store or something, and they need to talk to the man behind the counter. Well, I'd jump up and run in the studio and do it. You know, I just record those few lines, you know, that'll be 450, sir, whatever. Okay, so the guy behind the counter is white. You know, all right, let's move on. But we all drew the line at me running in there to be one of the black characters in the show, which I thought was right. Yeah. Even I'm fascinated by the whole notion of black scent because I think it is it is definitely a real thing. But I don't know. I don't understand it. And I know I can't do it. I know I couldn't get behind the microphone and sound convincingly like a real live <laughs> African-American person. And I was not going to go in and do something that wasn't authentic. <laughs> and so I just, you know, and so we all drew the line at the bottom and said, no, we, you know, we do not want Liga to go in there and, and try to be black. That's just, that's horrible. And we're not going to do it. So I think it's fine in voice. I really think it's fine. Um, Address your hate mail to Clarence. <laughs> well, I mean, think even further down the line in movies and stuff where they're so CG CG centric. Uh, yeah. To where what if you have a, a a a black guy playing a white CG character or reverse? You yeah. know, I mean, mm. sure it happens in animation too from time well, to time. Well, just this week we've had the uh, the announcement of the uh, the black actors who's going to be playing the live action Ariel and uh, yeah. the Little Mermaid, and some sectors of the internet have gone freaking flipped yeah. over over this. And as, as I heard, doctor. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah. And isn't that weird? And as I saw somebody point out today, they can accept that she's half fish, but not that the other half is black. <laughs> I, I'm trying to understand. Yeah, that is funny because no, I had never even thought about the fact that she's half a fish. Wow. It's, it's, it's the other half they've got trouble with. So I, anyway, so, uh, so I don't know. But I, yeah, it's, it's complicated, you know. My wife and I have gotten very interested in watching the uh, the Charlie Chan movies from the 30s and 40s. And um, there were three actors who played Chan in those, and all of them were white guys. Actually, in the very first film, he actually was played by an Asian actor. Um, but that film has been lost, figures. Mm -hmm. But from then on, he was, you know, um, Sidney Tiller or Warner Orland or one of those guys. And th so there were guys who did this kind of pidgin English kind of Chinese accent. He's one of the smartest men in the world as this brilliant detective, but he's never learned how to speak uh, conversational English. Uh, okay, you know. Um, and so we're aware that it, it is in some ways, it's a racist stereotype, but he's the hero. He is always the smartest person in the room. Mm. 
but would it have killed them to have an Asian actor playing him? And, and I remember when uh, when they're making Doctor Strange, well, we, we actually did a discussing who about this, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Because because the ancient one is we know very old, very Asian, and very male. So we're going to cast Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton? Are you <laughs> what? <laughs> So, and yet, then I saw the film and I said, okay, that's the ancient one. I I, I don't have a problem with it now. I, I had to give her a chance. But I think that goes with anything because we were talking about on discussing comics on our latest episode when we were reviewing it, talking about MJ, you know, that yeah, uh, the right. character is played by Zendaya. And it goes yeah. back to something that I think the three of us have all said, regardless of whether it's in video, whether it's in audio, if you approach the character with good intent and you produce a good result, it doesn't matter if you're male, you're female, you're black, you're white, you're Asian, whatever. If the content is good and it's with good purpose, generally, I think it's going to be received well. Yes, uh, unless that character's race is a story point. I mean, unless that's part of who they are. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Good point. I mean, that's what I think. I mean, oh, yes, like Black Panther. Right. I I am not going to play T'Challa. That would be wrong. <laughs> Clarence could play T'Challa. Clarence can play T'Challa. <laughs> oh, man. Clarence <laughs> would be awesome. But... Get this man to shield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. But um, Hey, Marvel, I don't know. are you listening? Yes, right. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman can't live forever. But but anyway, I think your original question was about diversity. And I really, as the show goes on, maybe we are getting to spoiler territory here. But by the time we get past learning what's inside the freezer in the core in the habitat, it becomes a story point. It becomes something that I really, really, really wanted to talk about. And the idea that diversity is one of the bedrocks of biology and we as human beings can either embrace that scientific fact or we can perish. The truth is diversity is what makes every evolutionary branch of life, uh, of life on earth work. If there isn't diversity, things die. And, and I think that's true of cultures too. And I think that's true of, um, of people's individual thinking. Diversity is life. And, and I really want the last few episodes of the show to be in a, in a very profound way to really be about that. So how's that for an answer to your question? Wow. Um, awesome. <laughs> I, so I, I have a question for you, Lee, if you don't mind. No, please. So when you talked about and you've made if I release the raw recording of this, everybody would hear how I flounder if I don't have questions. So that's why I'm saying <laughs> well, thank you. Well, you're so, welcome. Okay. But but I will say that I've always <laughs> said that I when I grow up, I want to sound like Lee Shackelford. But anyway. Um, but I would say that our show, that if we're discussing who works, it's because Kyle has good questions to ask. You're the yeah. great questioner. So, yeah. So I actually have a question for both of you. But this one, Lee, goes to you. And that is... You've made reference on several of these uh, relativity connections about the decision to go outside and take Sophia home because that was something that Elena asked was, I want to know what happens when Sophia goes home. What made you decide when making the family dynamic that you made, what made you decide to create the dynamic that you gave her? Well, that is an excellent question. I, I, 
knew that I had Stephanie Lindsay, and, who is uh, uh, lives in the same town with me, and I've seen her on stage, and I just think she's a marvelous stage actress. And I asked her if she'd be interested in being on the show, and she said yes. And we tried out some accents just very casually. And I have this whole backstory about uh, Sophia that is has kind of come out in bits and pieces over the show as it's gone along. Um but it is convoluted. It had even confused Elena for a while. She thought that her character was Italian um, in a way that it didn't matter. But um, but no, she's she's from Germany. She she left. They left when she was six. But she did learn to speak the language and so on. And, and, and so I asked Stephanie if she could do this German accent. And she did. And when she started doing that voice, uh, I, I got this idea of this sort of um, very smart very opinionated housefrau who who has kind of an impish sense of humor because that's that's stephanie and then when i sat down to write those first scenes between sophia and her mother you know one of the first things that happened was uh, you know sophia coming home and and she says oh, mom i'm home and mom says oh you look terrible she says thanks mom <laughs> And I said, there it is. There's the relationship. Well, I'm just saying that my brain is completely full now, so I need to jettison some ballast. Look at your face. You look terrible. Thanks, Mama. You don't rest yourself? You wear yourself to a shadow over your man out there in space? That man out there in space is my job. Interesting about Stephanie is seeing a picture of her and the mental image that I have of Sophia's mother could not be any further different isn't that interesting because i I i've always thought that stephanie could play marta in the movie you know huh no i picture this petite uh woman with a um maybe like a scarf on her head Uh, a little much older than stephanie is and very stern is is the mental image (laughs) that i get every time i hear her (laughs) that's great that's great. You see, this is why I, I w- always wish there were more people who wanted to do fan art for the show, because I would love to to see people's concept of these characters. You know, I just really want to want to see that. Mm, I'll see if I so, can find something, because yeah. I've, I've got a mental image, and I'll see if I can find something. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think people get intimidated by the idea, well, I, I'm not really an artist. I can try, draw, draw anything, man. Dude. I want to see your stick figures of... <laughs> Of Chris, I want somebody to draw what they think Nadia looks like. Now there's Ooh, a mental exercise for you. Yeah, I might try that one too. Yeah, because she's a disembodied voice. But yeah, mm. so, so does does Nadia so solely live in voice? Does she like appear on screen or? Have you ever thought about this before? (laughs) I have. Um, And, you know, it's uh, I was telling somebody about this not too long ago. I guess it was on one of these these conversations that all of us who want to write science fiction stories about deep space travel. And there's a computer that runs everything on board the ship. If you're my age and you want to write a story about that. You, you start with how the 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. Yeah. So you can't you can't tread on that territory. And so I, it's one of the reasons why I didn't want that voice to be a man's voice. 
um, because the, it was going to sound like Douglas Rain to me, <laughs> the, the, the man, who, the actor who did uh, who's Hal Nine Thousand. And the presence, the physical presence of Hal in 2001 is his eye, um, which watches everything constantly. So and then we look back and what we see is just that red eye on the wall. So that's sort of what I think about Nadia. I think she she's not in any one place because she's everywhere. So you're around a corner and there's going to be another camera, which may be a globe in the ceiling, you know, like in department stores or whatever. But there's really nowhere you can go where there isn't one of those things. And, and that's where she is. And so the people on the ship, they just don't even think about it anymore. And, you know, you just you just talk, you just call her by name and she answers. And, you know, um, so and and as several people have pointed out, part of the fun of her is to make her a foil for Chris that because he's he can be nettled so easily that he's so he can be so irritable mm-hmm. that, of course, he's going to be irked by something that never goes away. And um, and that apparently was a real problem for Peter. Peter Miblin was the same way. And so he would like go into his cabin and, and put something over that eyeball so it couldn't see him anymore. Oh, he can't read and, lips. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We, we do not want him reading lips. You know? <laughs> Her reading lips. Yeah. <laughs> He's seen the movie, too. <laughs> yeah. And um, and, you know, it, it, I, I want to pretend like I'm being smart, but it's actually an accident. But uh, uh, putting something over the eye so he can't be seen is uh, also what Winston Smith does in 1984 that initially gets him in trouble. You're not supposed to block the big brother eyes. So. Yeah, and it's also what people who are paranoid that their computer is recording them does well, is put something over uh, the webcam. That's right. We've all lived long enough that we're now uh, seeing commercially for sale little lids that you can put down over the eye of your your webcam yeah so so there you are but yeah i don't i don't uh, have an idea that anybody ever sees a, a face of nadia but again we maybe we're getting into spoilery territory but if you've been listening closely to this kind of thing i hope you've noticed in the episodes from 30 to 40 that she's her speech is getting a little more colloquial it's not quite so formal. She's starting to use more contractions and figures of speech. And um, interesting. she's she's learning and she's growing. Mm. I'm excited. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. She's it's it's yeah, that's that's all going somewhere. All right, so. so I'm going to save you here from uh, potential spoilers. So I'm, I have another question for you. Good. Change the subject. All right. So. This is this is for you, Lee. So how do you or even do you do, you know, you may not do this, but do you separate your roles in relativity of writer, producer, director and voice actor? Are they just all one part of you or do you have to consciously separate those tasks? Yeah, once again, that is an outstanding question. And I know I have now met so many uh, people who are fellow audio fiction creators. um, I'd love to have them all in a room where this question can be asked. So maybe that will happen in Seattle, (laughs) where on April 25th, six of us, six of us uh, sci-fi shows will be together in the same place. Um, And um, I know we're going to have kind of a talk back uh, afterwards. So, uh, uh, Kyla, if, I hope you're going to be there because then you can ask that question. question. Yes, because I would love to get you know the six different answers. My answer would be that I I can't. It it that has never crossed my mind until you said it just now. But I bet there are a lot of people who do say, okay, now I'm putting my producer hat on, or now I'm 
now I'm thinking as the voice actor and I'm, I'm just always thinking about all those things all at the same time. I, I feel like I have to, um, sometimes I am, <laughs> I've learned this the hard way. I'll write a series of sound effects into the script or I'll describe kind of an ambience or I'll have this, this conversation that's got 19 people in it or whatever it is. And I look at it on the page and I think, wow, that is going to be a, you know, what to mix. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Am I sure I want to do that? Yes, I am. Onward. Um, yeah. And and I read everybody's lines out loud. So I'm I'm not only always being crisp, but I'm always playing everybody else too. Interesting. So and that's what I've always done as a director. Um, well, I guess it's what I've always done as a writer too. Um, and 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 that's one of the reasons why I fuss about the timing of things. And I love being able to to edit those those lines um, in the. Uh, sort of uh, as wild tracks, like to have one track that's nothing but um, Elena's lines and nothing but Clarence's lines and so on, so that I can change the spacing between them ever so slightly. I, I just love it when um, um, here, like in, in 39 and 40 that we, that we had just aired, um, Chris and Sophia start thinking more alike and I've very subtly started moving their lines. I'm gesturing like you can see this. Uh, <laughs> I'm showing you how it looks on Audacity. Um, but I, I've moved their lines closer and closer so that they overlap more. Ah, sweet. And, and, you know, it's subtle, but I think people, you hear it and you remember it. Um, I, I just love doing things like that. I, there's one where um, uh, when Marcus is kind of running the show because Sophia's not there and uh, Dr. Mason goes somewhere where he's not supposed to go. And Marcus is trying to talk him down. And uh, he, he says uh, something like, uh, you know, Dr. Mason, you're not even supposed to be in there. And uh, Chris says, a good thing I'm being careful. And Marcus says, well, actually, you're not. <laughs> and that's how we recorded it. Well, I, I, I moved it so that, so that Clarence's voice was coming up under mine. So I was saying, actually, I'm being careful. Actually, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a lot funnier. That's, yes. You know. Uh, <laughs> He already knows what he's going to say. He cuts him off. You know? So it's, it's great fun to be able to do that. And yeah, if, if you're, if you're thinking as the producer, while you're writing, you're already planning to do that. It's, I don't know, but what a great question. So Clarence, I, I want, I have a question for you. So my question sure. is what has being Marcus learning Marcus and portraying Marcus, what is that taught Clarence? What has it taught you? <laughs> I mean, mainly patience. <laughs> as as you do uh, for me, I do several takes because you know I want to have options for for Mr. Shackford over there. So I mean, I, I think for me, it's just patience uh, and and being able to try to convey what's written on the paper. You know, you want to stand true to that as much as you can, and it it you know it doesn't always come out perfect, but you keep trying. And you know, for me myself, again, little experience. And um, just trying to deliver what the director, showrunner wants is 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 my main goal. So patience is mostly, and and just trying to dive into the script and and tr not so much reading one line and learning that one line, but learning the intention behind it and delivering it with the intention that's that's wanted. You know. Sweet, sweet. So, Lee, let me paraphrase that question for you. What is Christopher Mason as a character? What has he taught you? Hmm. Yeah, that is that's a that's a profound question. Uh, <laughs> and your your iPad agrees. Yes. 
Oh, what has Christopher taught me at the character? Um, that that people don't appreciate it when you're uh, when you growl at them um, <laughs> when 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 they're trying to help you. Um, I, I I I write some of these things that I think are funny, and maybe they are funny when people hear them. But I, but if I were in the world of the show, you know, I think I'd be one of the people who would be telling him, "Yeah, that's not funny." Um, mm. yeah, we're, we're trying to solve a problem here. That's, you know, uh, and, and enough of that comes from me that I've, I've been trying to correct it as a, as a fault in my, in my own life. But as I was telling somebody the other day, I think that what would surprise people is that the character in this show that I personally feel closest to the, the you know, if there's a character that's kind of autobiographical for me, it's Sophia. Um, I, I feel like that's who I am much more of the time. Um, that I, I just want, I just want to know what I'm doing. I just want to know how it's going to get done. I want to know what the steps are and I just want to do it. Um, and I don't want any talk back, you know, let's just do it. And, um, and that can be, obviously that can be, uh, uh, uh there, there's a lot of downsides to being like that too. I, I like the idea. I had the inspiration to sort of plant the seed that Marcus really likes, Sophia in a way other than as his boss. Yeah, but see, I think just from listening, I think that that Sophia is so wrapped up in the world of Chris and the world of her mother that she is oblivious to what's staring her in the face. Well, that's where I was going with that, was that that this is the trade-off of being somebody who is real interested in the facts and the task ahead and the methods for dealing with the task. It makes you a great flight director, but but it makes you a cripple as a human being. Yeah. And so this, you know, here's this wonderful guy who, who adores her. She doesn't know. She has no idea. And somebody's going to have to hit her with an aluminum bat to, (laughs) to get her to pay attention to what's happening. And, you know, I, I, and, and, and it is going to happen in, in these next few episodes. It's going to have to happen Some, somehow, <laughs> you know, somebody's going to have to say something. But see, um, see, Clarence, you've done a great job of portraying him in a way to a point to where it's genuine, but it doesn't look like or sound like he's desperate for her <laughs> attention. That's right. Would you agree with that, Clarence? Oh, to- totally. Uh, yeah. He gets mad at Pritvi for bringing it up. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's saying, hey, we all admire her, right? <laughs> yeah. um, yes, it's, it's definitely that crush where you don't want to say too much too soon. And he's just right. kind of trying to ride, ride the wave to, you know, that right moment to maybe where he can, um, you know, make his move. But who knows? Who I mean, knows yeah. what will happen? Hey, he, yeah. he survived a hurricane to come back to her. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, things you like about the show. How's mm-hmm. that? Can I, can I just pose that and say, if you, if you had to say in a few words, what it is you like about the show, what keeps you, what keeps you listening? What keeps you coming back? Um, I would, I would say the, along with the characters, of course, I'll, I love all the characters. It's just the mystery of the story and, and trying to find out where this is leading. You know, even as for me being on the show, it's just, I'm still intrigued and anxious to figure out where this is going. And I love the way that it's been handed out to us um, at a very digestible pace. And we're at the point now where, you know, things are coming to a head. And I just love the way the mystery has been laid out. And I want to know what happens, you know, like everybody else listening. Um, so the, the mystery of the science fiction of the story is just what intrigues me the most. 
Mm. So for me, I'm going to take the mystery aspect too, but but I'm going to skewer it just a little bit. And that is the fact that I've been behind the scenes and I've read the scripts and then heard the scripts and audio. I've been involved in conversations. That to me is so much fun. But beside that, Lee, you've done a very good job of not giving Clarence and I any spoilers. <laughs> You know, and you've let us guess and you've done just like you've done with anybody else that's come on Relativity Connections. You've not confirmed, nor have you denied. <laughs> right. So you, I so can you, neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, yeah, so you've done a good job of that. But the, the, the idea of seeing this story not only unfold, but expand over the yes. last 40 issues or episodes, yes. you know what I mean? I can't say issues comics, right. yeah. <laughs> so you know just but seeing the whole universe expand has been so much fun and being a part of that has been to you know just a joy to do so that that i think is what i like most or second most what i like most about relativity sorry clarence and sorry lee is <laughs> nadia <laughs> of course that's right right but nadia is not your favorite audio fiction ai Nope. <laughs> Nor is she my favorite, Assassin. Yeah. Well, Nadia wouldn't kill anybody. That's no. that's part of what makes her not HAL 9000 and not Le Bif Chant Frise. No, she, she would not cut them into little strips of bacon with the mayonnaise. <laughs> more, uh, more Oz 9 jokes for people who don't know what in the world we're talking about. Speaking uh, of Oz 9, if yes. you don't mind me saying, one yeah. of the things that I have enjoyed most about your Relativity Connections is the fact that you are introducing your audience to concepts and shows that, like myself included, have never heard of before. I am now totally obsessed with Oz9, <laughs> but I would have never have known yeah. that had you not have done Relativity Connection. That's great. And I, I, I really hope that a, a lot of people uh, hear the other shows that, you know, uh, uh, Ninth World Journal and uh, Podcast Reviews, Reviews Podcast, and of course, Tendril, The Banshee Chronicles, and, and this should go on and on. Um, and all three of those are on my list. And I will shout out again to Ninth World Journal. The gentleman who does that yeah. has an awesome, awesome audio voice yes oh goodness david, david steer yeah he yeah he really does have one of my favorite voices just to listen to on the radio and he's telling an intriguing story with it so yeah i i should wrap this up the way i've been wrapping up before uh, even though i could pretty much do this by heart <laughs> if people wanted to know more about kyle jones and clarence brown where would they go we should we take it in turns clarence mm. if they want to know more about how to find you and what you're up to where shall they where should people go? Yeah, we do a wide array of shows and I may be taking everything from Kyle here, but <laughs> you can you can head over to discussingnetwork.com to check out our podcast, which are discussing who, discussing comics and discussing Trek. So if you're into those things, uh, go there and check it out. Yeah. Cool. We can plug Techpedition, too, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Techpedition. Yeah, as well. Sweet. So I will also add to that, if you are a fan of Facebook, which most people are on Facebook, you can mm. check us out on Facebook, go to groups, and also look for Discussing Network. You will see posts from all three of us in there. So um, absolutely. And I will ask a question, Lee Shackelford, that I love to always ask you. Lee, if someone else were looking for you on the Internet, where might they find you? They'll always find me. And this show at relativitypodcast.com. Awesome. Relativity. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> does feel oh. like that should be the end of the show, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, that was great. You've been uh, listening to the Disgusting Network. Yeah. Well, I hope you find something interesting in early. <laughs>